and then take that summary and further compact it into a nutshell and then crack open that nutshell, you would find the rich content of Lord's Day 23 and 24. The protein building blocks of the gospel are contained here. What we find is when it comes to right standing with the creator of the universe, no amount of good works or moral heroics will get us there. Nothing can leave us in a clean standing before a perfect and holy God. And so that is precisely the message that Jesus came to teach and to live out and then to suffer, die, and be resurrected on our behalf so that we could, by grace, be connected with God, by grace, receive forgiveness, because we can't get there on our own. The idea is this, that God loves his creation so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins and connect us to our Heavenly Father, and it's sheer grace. Jesus says this in a million different ways throughout his short teaching time on earth. It shows up in things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are those who have their spiritual act together. It shows up in parables like the prodigal son, where the prodigal son, who treats his father as if he's dead, asks for his inheritance, goes squanders it on wine, women, and song. When he's broke, when he's down and out, he comes back to the father humbly. And what does the father do? He embraces him. He reenlists him in the family and throws a party. And while that younger brother is feasting in the party, celebrating, the, young, the older son is left out in the cold, outside the party, because he was working his way in the father's favor and didn't understand the father's grace. It shows up in another crazy parable, the parable of the vineyard workers, where the, the uh, vineyard owner hires all, these, all this help to work at their vineyard. And the guys that show up at 7 a.m. make a good day's pay. But you know what? The vineyard worker pays them the same amount as the guys who show up a half hour before the end of the day. Grace. Jesus teaches us in um, kind, embracing ways, and he teaches us about grace in jarring, striking ways. In our passage, our parable this evening, we're going to take a quick look at one more of those jarring ways in which Jesus teaches us the truths that we read about from Scripture and from Lord's Day 23 and 24. Let's look together at Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, this is a short passage, and many of you who grew up in the church are familiar with it. But are you really familiar with how striking, how jarring this parable is? Let's look at first at the Pharisee. 
Now, Pharisees in, in, uh, in, in Christian times have a negative connotation. But if we were to try to put, put aside that biasm against Pharisees, this guy would seem like a really good Joe. What are the facts of the parable? We know that, well, he goes to the temple and he prays, so he's a man of faith. The Pharisee fasts twice a week. Has anybody ever tried to fast twice a week? This past summer, I tried fasting for two months once a week, and that was excruciating. He gives a tenth of all he has. Now, if you're not in the habit of tithing, this may seem just incredible. This is a pretty faithful guy. In his prayer, we can find out that he's a pretty decent guy too. He's not like robbers. He doesn't steal. He's not like evildoers. He's a man of integrity. He's not like adulterers. He's faithful to his spouse. So here's a man who prays, goes to the temple, he fasts, he tithes. He's a man of integrity. He's faithful to his family, faithful to his spouse. Sounds like a good character, huh? Let's talk about the tax collector. Very opposite of the Pharisee. Tax collector. Tax collectors were hated people. Why were they hated? For two main reasons. One, because they worked for those who were oppressed people. Rome came down and enforced their way into the Jewish society and set up their own leadership and their own rules and their own curfews and their own government. And to pay for that, they ex- extracted taxes from the Jewish people. Well, tax collectors volunteered to take the taxes for, the, for Rome. Well, what was in it for the tax collectors? Well, R- Rome said, hey, just collect the tax I mean, just pay us the tax. You can collect all you want. Keep the rest for yourself. That'll be your salary. And just give us the tax. So if the tax collector wanted to, uh, is collecting a $10 bill from everybody, he could collect 50 bucks. All right, I want 50 bucks. And he has the Roman soldiers to enforce them. He pockets 40, gives 10 to Rome. Can you see why these were hated people? They were turncoats. They were Jews who decided to work for the man and stick it to his own people. Hated. So here on the right, we have this Pharisee. Sorry, your left, my right. We have this Pharisee, guy who prays, tithes, fasts, good to his wife, man of integrity, or at least doesn't cheat on his wife. Then we have this tax collector, this guy who steals money from his own countrymen, extorts it, and, and sides with the Romans. Jesus is really creating a lot of tension here. And I think that's why he, Jesus usually asks the question. This time he doesn't ask the question. He just tells the answer. Because I, don't th- I think it would just be silent. No one would say the answer. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, was justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is 
tough grace, isn't it? I mean, it it seems like us, the moral folk, trying to live the good life, being humbled, and the sinner is being exalted. This is the scandal of grace. Why is the tax collector justified and not the Pharisee? Well, it comes down to this. The tax collector saw his need. If you were to turn to Romans 3 and look at verses 21 through 23, you will hear Paul's words about grace and righteousness. Paul writes this in Romans 3, 21 through 23. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The tax collector has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Pharisee has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. The tax collector saw himself. And when he saw himself, which is, by the way, a very hard thing to do, it's very hard to see yourself clearly. We all too often think we're more moral, more stronger, more courageous, more, more full of integrity than we are. But this tax collector saw himself. And when he saw himself, he saw his sin. And when he saw his sin, he saw his need. And that drove him to cry out to God. I remember a sermon I heard. It was actually on the cross, um, but it had this same concept. And I, I recognize it all, all over the Christian life. If you can see yourself squarely, you can see your sin. And if you see your sin, you can see your need. And if you see your need, you can cry out for God's grace, and boom, it's freely yours. That's why the tax collector went home from the temple justified. The Pharisee didn't. Why? The Pharisee couldn't see himself. He didn't see himself squarely. He didn't see his sin, and therefore he didn't see his need. And because he didn't see his need, he didn't cry out for God. And he didn't receive God's grace. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. If we never see ourselves as lost, then Jesus doesn't need to find us. And that was the case of the Pharisee. So what's what do, we, what do we take home from this? If there's anything that I would like us to do, all of us, as we walk out the doors, think about things as we're shutting down for the evening, is to examine our lives. Do we see ourselves squarely? 
Are we pretending and performing and performing and pretending on God's behalf? Because if we can see ourselves and recognize our sin, God's grace is available to us.